know, the Fed has printed all of this money, and now we're going to have to face the consequences. People have to understand that when we're talking about voter ID laws, be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. Dr. Fauci, I don't know how many more times you can say to people, listen, it will save your life. I have this problem with some members of my own family, which I'm now going to ban for Thanksgiving vacation. We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core, this Tuesday edition. Only the second episode of the show. Here we are on American Family Radio. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today. A couple things I want to mention before we jump into the news of the day. Number one, most importantly, our scripture of the week, our verse of the week, is directly out of the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 4, you have Jesus being tempted uh, by the devil himself when uh, Jesus is is fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. And um, Jesus reminds us that, quote, uh, verse 4 of chapter 4 in Matthew, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So keep that on your heart. Keep that on your mind this week. Uh, make sure you do what Romans 12 tells us, and that is to constantly uh, renew your mind with God's Word through the power of the Holy Spirit. Constantly have your mind renewed. And I was at our Marriage Family Life Conference just a few weeks ago, and we were having a conversation, a panel discussion on on marriage, uh, on on God's design for marriage. And th- this it struck it struck me that. <clears throat> You know, we don't have to constantly uh, think bad thoughts. We don't constantly have to have a bad uh, way of thinking, bad thoughts, um, because many people have have issues uh, struggling to keep their mind pure, their mind clean. Uh, scripture talks about this, but, you know, Romans 12 is clear. Paul is clear uh, that, that the believer has, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can have their mind constantly renewed. Uh, through Scripture, through the power of the Holy, Holy Spirit, and through God's Word, we can have our minds renewed. And so, uh, out of Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, uh, Jesus himself says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So that's where we should get our daily bread, from God's Word. A couple ways to keep up with American Family Radio, but more specifically, keep up with AFA at the core. You can visit our website, afr.net. We have the AFR app there on your Android or Apple device. We are also live streaming the show on American Family Radio's Facebook page. You can go there and watch it right now as we speak. You can also catch it archived there on the Facebook page. And, of course, I'm on Parler and Twitter. Just type in my name, Walker Wildman, and you can find me on Parler and Twitter. This is a story I wanted to get to, but I did not get to it yesterday. Imagine that. Uh, This is out of Fox News. You know, Mark Levin hosts a show there on the weekend, on Sundays, called Life and Liberty uh, with uh, uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin with, uh, of course, Mark Levin, a longtime conservative radio host, 
And he had on a Mr. Woodson, uh, the founder of the Woodson Center, uh, Mr. Bob Woodson. And he was talking about, you know, what is it that makes, number one, what is it that makes America special? But, but number two, what is it that makes individuals succeed here in America? Let's listen to clip one. Chuck Swindell wrote about something parallel. He said, I am convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. We are in charge of our attitude. It is more important than the past, than education, than circumstances, than failure, than success, than any other thing that people would say or do about us. In other words, it is character that is, it represents the principal means by which people excel and move from poverty to prosperity. It is on the foundation of America's founding values and, and virtues. It is that foundation that has caused people to propel and move from poverty to prosperity. There you have it. That's uh, Bob Woodson, longtime conservative activist, civil rights activist, more importantly, and founder of the Woodson Center. They're on with Mark Levin. And what I want to highlight from that is just about a sentence or two. It is where he said, Bob Woodson said, talking about our past and what we experienced, he said, it is more important, uh, uh, our experiences, our character, our attitude is more important than the past, than whatever education we get, whatever circumstances we're in, whatever failures we have in life. Even more important than success, he's talking about our attitude here. More important than any other thing that people would say or do about this. In other words, he says, quote, it is character. That is, it represents the principal means by which people excel and move from poverty to prosperity. And the main thing I wanted to point out there is that despite what you hear from, I don't know, this party, you know, that goes by the name, the Democrats, uh, despite what you hear from, from, from government officials, about how it's their job to not only protect everybody, but ensure everybody succeeds, right? It's the government's job to make sure everyone is equal. I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here, but one thing we don't hear taught very often is that maybe it's actually up to the individual to ensure that they excel in life. And if you say that, well, then all of a sudden, government, is government really that important? Do we, should we rely on government <laughs> to make sure people succeed? Probably not. Instead, you do what our founding fathers said and what our founding fathers lived by, and that is the government is here to just to make sure it's a, it's a level playing field. The government is here to make sure, not that everyone's has... Uh, the same circumstances, the same experiences in life, the same income, the same house, the same car. Government's here to protect constitutional rights. Government is here to ensure that the laws of the United States of America, the Constitution, they're applied equally across the board. No favoritism, no partiality. The laws that I live under are the same laws that everybody else in America has to live under, whether you're a politician, whether you're the president, whether you're a congressman, whether you're a CEO of a Fortune 100 company, it doesn't matter. We all should be living under the same laws and have the same constitutional rights. And then it's up to each of us to ensure uh, that our future and that the future of our children 
um, is bright and, uh, and, and, and prosperous. And so character, Bob Woodson says, is what propels people from poverty to prosperity. And you look at, you know, you look at some of the greatest American stories. <laughs> the greatest American stories do not come from people who got government grants to start institutions and companies and, you know, ventures. Some of the greatest American stories of success come from people who started with nothing, started from scratch, started from poverty and had absolutely nothing. And they made a generational change. They made a difference in their, in their, in their family. And, and people have benefited from that. I mean, you look at all the major, some of the major companies uh, that, that started in America uh, they, many of these CEOs uh, started with nothing and made something out of it. Uh, so that's what America offers. That's what Bob Woodson says. And the most important thing of it all is one's character. You know, this. Uh, uh, even though most of America is really trying to move on from this COVID panic <laughs> that the media and the Democrats have been trying to constantly peddle for the last, I don't know, 18 months at least, well, as we're trying to move on, we've seen where people, individuals, doctors even, who try to share information, share truth, share studies, share research, they're being blocked. They're being canceled. They're being censored. We see this over and over again. And what people are saying out there on social media and other platforms, the things that they're saying about these COVID studies, these coronavirus-related studies, and the studies of, of, of medical treatments, hydroxychloroquine and other treatments, uh, what people are posting out there is not radical stuff. I mean, in many circumstances, they're just citing, to a, citing a news source. They're citing a Daily Caller story, a Fox News story, a One News Now story. They're citing pretty uh, sane stuff. I mean, this is factual stuff coming out of major uh, research facilities, major research universities. And one example, and I'm just waiting on this to be to be canceled, to be taken off Twitter. I saw this post from Times Radio. It's just a uh, I don't know much about the entity or the organization, but they they interview uh, people and doctors. And this uh, doctor from Oxford University, very reputable university, as many of you know, this doctor's name or this professor's name rather is Sinatra. Gupta, G-U-P-T-A. She's a professor of theoretical epidemiology at the University of Oxford. And what she says here in this clip is what has gotten others, very well-known doctors, canceled from society and canceled from any type of public speaking engagements. Let's listen to this and what this uh, epidemiologist uh, this professor at Oxford University has to say about how we should be responding to the COVID pandemic. In that sense, then, would you would you agree that do you need to have masks and social distancing in the medium term? Absolutely not. Um, masks, first of all, it's very questionable whether they work. And also the, the illusion that they might work is going to cause vulnerable people to be exposed to the virus when they shouldn't be. Although hopefully by now we've vaccinated everyone who's vulnerable so, so that, too, is, is, is not really something we need to worry about. We need to stop fixating on suppressing infection. We have to let infection reach an equilibrium level, which means cases increasing, 
and at meanwhile strenuously protect the vulnerable, which, as far as I'm aware, with this excellent vaccination policy, we have already achieved. Well, there you have it. Uh, this is, folks, when I'm, when I'm doing show prep, I, I oftentimes just laugh out loud in my <laughs> office. <laughs> I, I, Jeff, I cannot, this is such, this is serious stuff. It's frustrating sometimes, but Jeff, this is like, this is like, I feel like I'm reading the Babylon Bee, but these are real stories. Uh, you guys remember Bobby and Jeff, Scott Atlas, Dr. Scott Atlas was yeah. the White House Coronavirus Task Force leader yeah. uh, in, in the latter part of the Trump administration, and and he, he was canceled because he said this exact same thing. And, and this is from this professor at the University of Oxford. Here's what she just said in that clip that I just played here. She said, quote, we need to, quote, let infection reach an equilibrium, another word for that is, and I'm inserting this, herd immunity. That's what it's called. That's what this theory, this practice, this idea is called. We need to, quote, let infection reach an equilibrium level and strenuously protect the vulnerable, end quote. Well, that is exactly, I mean precisely, and maybe tomorrow we'll actually bring this clip from Dr. Scott Atlas at the White House press briefing room during the Trump administration, where he said basically the same thing. He said, what we need is we need to protect the vulnerable, and then we need herd immunity. We need the young people, the healthy people, just to live their lives. And if they get sick, they get sick. And then they'll be immune to this virus, and then we need to protect the most vulnerable. That's what he said, but when Dr. Scott Outless said it, he was lamb-blasted. He was criticized. You can't say that. You're going to kill people. I mean, he was blasted by everybody in the media and all the Democrats. How dare someone say that from the White House press briefing room? This is dangerous. Well, now a professor of epidemiology at Oxford University says the same thing. And I don't know. It's still circulating on Twitter. That just shows the Trump derangement syndrome is is absolutely a real thing. It is absolutely a real thing. And it shows that the media will do anything and everything to keep the panic alive, especially anything that comes from the former Trump administration. We'll be back in a few minutes. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines socialism as an economic system in which the means of production are owned and controlled by the state. The distribution of goods are controlled by the state. It is a system where there is no private property. A stage of society in Marxist theory transitional between capitalism and communism. American socialists put the descriptor democratic in front of socialism because they hope to persuade you to vote for the elimination of private property. Make no mistake, socialism is socialism. There is no kinder, gentler form of it. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, 
public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Richard Land, President Emeritus of Southern Evangelical Seminary and the host of Bringing Every Thought Captive. Tomorrow, the French celebrate their revolution, which started on July 14, 1789, a mere 13 years after our Declaration of Independence commenced the American Revolution. Many contemporaries thought that they were essentially the same revolution, including Thomas Jefferson. They were wrong. While there may have been some superficial similarities, the enormous philosophical differences soon became apparent to all. The French Revolution, in a startlingly short time, led to a horrendous and bloody reign of terror and a Napoleonic dictatorship that became the model for modern totalitarian regimes. The American Revolution led to the longest sustained democracy in the history of the world, America. The essential and defining difference in the two revolutions can be identified in their foundational statements. The American Revolution declared to the world, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. The French Revolution asserted the principles of liberty, equality, fraternity, based purely on the assertion of those rights as opposed to the American Revolutions basing them on the Creator and natural law. The American Revolution did not declare its independence from God. The French Revolution did. In fact, the French Revolution wanted to go all the way back to the pre-Christian roots of European civilization, back to Greco-Roman paganism. They dressed up a famous French actress as the goddess of reason, placed her on the altar of Notre Dame Cathedral, and worshipped her. The Judeo-Christian roots of the American Revolution laid the foundation that protected human rights instead of sacrificing them to the glory of a secular state. Thank God our forefathers were American, not French, and they worshiped the one true God rather than themselves. This is Richard Land. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Here we are, AFA at the Core, second segment, first segment down. I'm Walker Wildman, your host. We're live streaming on Facebook. Just go to our AFR Facebook page, catch the show there, watch the show there, and you can also visit our website and our app and find the AFA at the Core podcast. Make sure you subscribe to it on your, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether you're on Spotify, on an Apple or Android device, go to your podcast store, wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe to AFA at the Core so you can listen at your convenience. One thing I want to mention before I introduce my guest and my sibling, <laughs> AFR, we've got a resource center. And um, If you're on Facebook watching, you'll see this mug here. Um, we have an AFR coffee mug or water. That's what I have in it now. Uh, you can also put a soda in it. We've got a little uh, top that goes on where you can put a soda in. Uh, and this is a, a, a clear top where you can... Uh, pour coffee or water or whatever, you know, orange juice in the morning, and uh, get this at our resource center, resources.afa.net. We'll be talking more about that even, even tomorrow. We'll have our director on from the resource center, and you can get this coffee mug and all kind of other resources and actually more valuable resources than even the coffee mug. I mean, we have great uh, DVD uh, sessions on biblical worldview training. We have great books and all kind of things to help you shape your worldview to be a biblical worldview and then pass that on to your children, to your parents, and your loved ones in your church. Uh, a lot of great resources there at resources.afa.net. I want to introduce in the studio my brother, Wesley Wildman. 
Hey, what's up? Is that it? That's yes, all sir. I get. Brother my, Wildman, you're go. My, you're my first <laughs> guest on the show. Am I? Yeah, so you should feel honored. That's a surprise. I do feel honored. Yeah, and you even should host though, me over for steaks tonight because yeah. of that. Well, you know what? I didn't even know. <laughs> and I, don't hold me to that, okay? I didn't know how what kind of introduction I was going to get for, for being your brother, you know, because well, we've look, got a lot of here's, years. Here's what I have for you, and that's a good point you raised. Okay. You deserve more than just your brother. I thought brother. I did. Yeah. yeah. Here's <laughs> what I'm an important role. Look, here's what I have you down as. You're a special guest on AFA at the Court. Okay. You're a special weekly guest on AFA at the Court. Every Tuesday and Thursday, our listeners can expect you to come in the studio with yep. us. You're also AFA Vice President of Outreach, and you host uh, Engage Radio. Yep. Engage Magazine Shared Radio. Truth. Yep, Shred Truth, Applied Scriptures, the name of the program. And what you can expect from me as I come on and participate in AFA at the Core twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays is um, an update from my department, which is a vice president of outreach. So I sp- get to spend a lot of time building relationships with our financial supporters and our listeners. In addition to a project called, as you mentioned, Engage, uh, we'll talk a lot about how young adults are thinking through a lot of these issues and how we're covering that at Engage. And last but not least, you'll get some uh, content from me on the project called By Design, where we talk about God's design for marriage. So those are the areas. Yeah, that's excellent. And as VP of Outreach, much of what Wesley does is pretty much every time AFA interacts with our donors. Yep. Uh, every time AFA interacts with our donors at events, uh, with video, different video sessions that we do uh, with our annual Marriage Family Life Conference, all these different things that we do to reach out to our donors and connect with them, uh, Wesley has his hands and his mind in on that. Yes. Uh, so he's behind a lot of that, and he stays very in tune with, with what our donors are thinking out there. And it's very important because I, and I take my job extremely seriously when I travel, and I try to, even though times I'm in a group of 150 or more, I try to do my best to take time to meet and shake hands with everybody that I'm there because we value you so much for listening and and for taking the time it's one thing to be a listener and we appreciate those and we are very in there and and we just i've enjoyed getting to hear people that listen all over the country all over the world and that's very much appreciative but for those that um it means that much more for you to take a sacrifice out of your finances to support what we do and so um, I want to make sure that you know that we appreciate you here at AFA and A4. Hey, man, that's good stuff. Hey, speaking of marriage, you mentioned the By Design Project a few, yeah. about a minute or two ago. Uh, there's this study, uh, the Survey Center on American Life, that's a research organization. The Survey Center on American Life found that only 27% of men have at least six close friends. And that this, this study's basically reporting on what they're calling the, quote, friendship recession, but there's some some more important details from this, Wesley, and this gets into marriage and family and the importance of it. Mm-hmm. It says that only about 27% of, of at least, 27% of men have at least six close friends, down from 55% in 1990. Meanwhile, the number of men without any close friends, zero, increased from 3% to 5%. But as we read on here, single men are especially affected by the, quote, friendship recession, According to the survey, 20% of men who are not in a romantic relationship reported not having any close friends. And lastly, and this is uh, arguably the most important, according to the center that did this research, this friendship recession trend is rooted in, quote, lower religious involvement and lower marriage rates. Yep, that's true. And another thing that I feel like was left out of there, and there's there's some speculations on on why this is why this is the case, and there's were two really good examples there that they included from their study. 
But another thing that is we see, and I could I could give you a couple reasons, which I will, why I think this is true, but narcissism in our society during our time right now in history is it is, in my opinion, all-time high. Um, and so people are very self-centered and self-focused. Um, now, I understand you want to be self-motivated and you want to be driven, but if it, if it overrides your ability to be concerned about and be objective to other things around you, it's a problem. And I see, um, I, you know, I see, we see the studies and we can see visibly as we, you know, travel and get out and, and go to the grocery store and other places that people are waiting significantly longer to get married if they do get married, way more than they ever have in history. And they're also waiting that much longer to have kids and to develop family if they do go through with marriage. And so um, all these things that are consuming our time, social media, events and activities, which some a lot of these things in and of themselves are good things, but when they uh, overtake, uh, when they become an idol or in your life, then you're going to see a decline in relationships. Hmm. And that's what that's you're good. seeing. And, and, it, and it causes, ultimately it causes the... A, a lot of um, things such as um, um, uh, depression. Depression, yeah. So yeah. there's so there's some medical. Abuse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bobby and Jeff, I'm going to bring you more wise guys into the discussion. Oh, oh here we go. Um, I'm not talking about what the research says. I'm just talking about your general experience uh, in your younger years. What would you say in your the group you ran with, where you were raised? I mean, what was the average age to get married? Not necessarily start a family and raise kids, but just to get married uh, back in the day. Go ahead, Bobby. I, well, you know, at that time, uh, in, in younger times and so forth, for me, uh, that was prime time for me in the military. Uh, so we were more conservative in thought, word, and deed, and uh, along with that became our relationships uh, both personal, professional, and, of course, intimately in terms of marriage. And so a lot of us did get married younger. Uh, we started families younger. Um, so we can certainly relate to the the contraindication of what's going on now. People are hanging on. They don't want to be married. They don't want to be encumbered. Yeah. They want to be their own person. They want to do their own thing. And even though that started back in the 60s, <laughs> sure. it sure is emblematic of what's going on today. Uh, so from my experience and my, my background, it, was, uh, it started very early, mm-hmm. very early in, in the 20s. Yeah, Jeff, uh, what, what would you say, uh, what, would, what would have been the average age that people, your friends got married? Well, coming out of high school, I was in Las Vegas. So that may be a little different than most of the country was sure. at that time. Uh, but I would say there was two groups of People, people that were getting married right out of high school. And then there was the probably majority of people were waiting till their late 20s. Mm-hmm. See, that's interesting you say that because now, Wesley, it's like everything's moved forward four years. Yeah. So now, like getting married out of high school is foreign. Yeah, oh, yeah. Who would get married out of high school, yeah, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, even though it probably could be a good thing in certain circumstances. That's right. Um, but now it's like if you get married right out of college, that's like yeah. young, right? Yeah. Because you're getting married at, I don't know, 23, 24. Right. 
25 in some cases. Mm-hmm. Like so this, me, it took me five and a half years to get a four-year degree. <laughs> <laughs> so, it took me 17, so, so don't feel bad. I wasn't going to mention that, Wesley, yeah. but th- since you did, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, you know, but Wesley, I, I seriously do think that this this is – this. Uh, we uh, the spiritual state of America and, and the cultural state of America go right together. They're on parallel tracks. And I think our culture has created this sense, and whether you can blame – Hollywood and the media and the politicians. I really think this all boils down to the home mm-hmm. and the breakdown of the family. Uh, but marriage and family just isn't stressed, isn't emphasized, and isn't as important to some people as it used to be. Yeah, you can go to afa.net slash by design, afa.net slash by design. That's a project that AFA will be working on for the next 12 months in order to bring about a remembrance of the beauty and the um, benefits and the uh, value of the way God designed marriage and family, one man and one wo- woman for life. And, you know, something that's often forgotten about in this conversation um, is that out of the three institutes that we can remember that God created, which was uh, family, government, and the church, and in that particular order, the family was the first one. Mm-hmm. And so the, val- the value of the family has to be important, and that's what we're trying to do there with the Project by Design. We'll have a handful of articles that get changed and inter- interchanged each week. Um, also, we'll have some fresh videos that come up of our experience um, through uh, our marriages. So you're going to find people there in the videos that you go to that will, be- that will become a great resource for, for, for a variety of different topics within uh, the design of marriage, such as international parenting, uh, infertility, being a mission-minded couple or married couple, uh, celebrating marriage and making sure that it's valued. So we'll provide those resources. And what you'll find there that's so unique, Walker, Jeff, and Bobby, if you visit there, you'll find out there that while you listen to some of the radio hosts, you know, we got six, seven, eight throughout the day, Walker, mm-hmm. myself, and others, what you're going to find there is a bunch of staff members up here at AFA that are so um, excited about this project that they're part of this, even though – they don't necessarily have a platform in writing or speaking or whatever, but they're passionate about this topic. Yeah, that's what makes this project, this by design project. You can find out more, as Wesley said, at afa.net forward slash by design or just go to the homepage at afa.net. Uh, but what makes this so awesome is that is that we pulled together all kind of staff members sure. from AFA, like you mentioned. I mean, these are not necessarily radio personalities. These are people from across our, our staff, our team here, and the, the couples here are willing to step up and talk about their experience with marriage and talk about how God has uniquely designed uh, the family. Yeah. And so check and the, that out. The majority of them are lay people. Mm-hmm. I mean, so they're not serving necessarily in a leadership position at a church, but they're born-again believers who are passionate about being a witness. Yeah, here's a couple statistics, and then we'll move on uh, uh, to another topic. The uh, Here's a couple statistics from our Biodesign Project. Marriage reduces the probability of child poverty by 80%. Yep. Mm. Marriage reduces the probability of child poverty by 80%. Uh, And we talked, uh, I talked in the first segment, you know, people, we had Bob Woodson, we had Bob Woodson's clip, people, the government and the Democrats, and even some Republicans, they want to talk about, here's what the government can do for you. Here's what, here's how the government's going to intervene and fix this. Here's how the government's going to intervene and fix that. When in reality, you know, if we can restore marriages and restore families across this country, uh, it, it it will be, it will make a monumental difference for good. Uh, in our country. And Wesley, you know, one thing that that it's easy to do, and, and sometimes I've struggled with this, and that is to have a short-term mindset. Uh-huh. 
have a short-term mindset and not focus on the long game, on the long term uh, of what with the work that we're doing as believers and how we may not see fruit for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Hey, and another thing, and I don't want to throw you off too much, but as you were talking earlier and sharing these stats, I remember a quote that was from Barack Obama, and this is very similar, and I'll just read it here. Marriage in America's anti-poverty, anti-crime, and pro-health institution. I don't know if y'all remember that, but that was his original position when he first started running for presidency. And how far has he come? And we revealed exactly what their motives were after he was elected because he completely shifted. Because if that statement's true, then it wouldn't matter what kind of pressure you got or what kind of um, um, anything you got from the uh, opposition because we know that marriage is one man and one woman is the most uh, valuable institution in our society. Yeah, absolutely, and we're running billboards across the country uh, promoting these statistics and promoting God's design for marriage and family. Hey, one last thing on this particular topic of by design is that uh, what you won't see on there but you can anticipate coming in the in the upcoming weeks and months is that we're going to start providing you some challenges and some tangible ways that you can live this out. And so anywhere from a date night, anywhere from – uh, taking your spouse and writing them a handwritten love letter to um, all kinds of things, helping us raise money for a particular number of billboards. So you can anticipate in the next couple of weeks, couple of months, us providing you some challenges along the way. Sure, that's going to be excellent. Well, there you have it. That's Wesley Wildman, Vice President of Outreach, host of Share Truth or Plow Scripture on the weekend. And also he's a host uh, on the By Design program we talked about. That program airs on American Family Radio on Saturdays at 4 p.m. That's Central. correct, and I made history. I was the first guest on this program. Y'all remember? Y'all remember? Do not forget. Uh, it's video documented. <laughs> it's, it's documented, and we'll be at your house later for the steaks. Nice. Hey, yeah, I remember that. Let him come on the show. We will have hamburgers tonight, seriously. All hey, right. thank y'all so much for having me on. Yes, sir. God bless you, brother, and I'll see you in a little while. Our offices are literally right down the hall from each other, for better or worse. <laughs> All right, man. Good, good to see you. You know, to close up that topic before we go to our break uh, uh, that I mentioned a few minutes ago before we had Wesley on about, you know, COVID and how the media is just trying to absolutely panic people over this issue. Here's a study <laughs> out of England. Out of 469,000 children in England that, that, that were studied, 99.995% of them, percent of them, all they all had COVID. All 469,000 had COVID. 99.995% of them survived with no issues at all. So don't believe the COVID panic that you see in the media. We'll be back. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. 
Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks one-year scholarship program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. Who says you can't have your cake and eat it too? If you're like a lot of people, you would like to support the culture-changing efforts of the American Family Association. But there's the very pressing reality that your income must meet your current needs as well as act as seed for future income, either for the short term or for life. A charitable gift annuity might be your answer. A charitable gift annuity offers a unique method for both planning ahead for permanent income and supporting the work of the American Family Association. An AFA Foundation representative will walk you through the details of creating a charitable gift annuity, allowing you to decide if a charitable gift annuity is right for your individual financial situation. Connect with us today by calling 800 326-4543, extension 345, or visit us online at afafoundation.net. What were the principles of our founding fathers, and why should we care? Good question. This is Jim Garlow. Were all of the 204 men who signed the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence Christians? No, but there was an overarching faith perspective that shaped the values, ideals, and principles of the men who wrote our founding documents and led our first Congress. John Adams, the author of the Declaration, wrote, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. America was founded as a nation, rooted in higher law, not in man's law. When you encounter those who would deny any religious roots in this country, you can be confident it was well understood by our founding fathers that the inalienable rights they wrote of and spoke to were part of a higher law established by God, not by man. There's more at wellversedworld.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Glad to have you back for this last segment. My name is Walker Wildman, and I'm your host for AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. Do not forget, please subscribe to the podcast. Please check out our podcast at AFR.net and on the AFR app. And, of course, we have our podcast posted wherever you listen to podcasts. Just type in AFA at the Core, or you can type in my name, Walker Wildman, and subscribe there and listen at your convenience. I'm bringing on with us this segment, a regular voice here on AFR, Dan Celia, host of Financial Issues and founder and president of Financial Issues Stewardship Ministry. Dan, welcome to AFA at the Core. Walker, great to be with you. Congratulations on the program. Thank you, brother. You're my second guest, so uh, oh, congratulations good. on That's that. Good. Hey, you know, yesterday, Dan... So, so why wasn't I the first? No, well, you know, Dan, we'll have to talk about that after after the show. Uh, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, that's confidential. No, I'm kidding. Okay. So, somebody's got to be first. Somebody's got to be second. Uh, what is, yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. We'll see who's last, hopefully, in maybe 20 <laughs> or 30 years. <laughs> hey, Dan, yesterday right. I talked about uh, the issue of inflation that we're seeing from an economic standpoint 
and how it's really affecting uh, middle to lower class families. When you look at home prices, um, building materials, food, cars, I mean, across the board. And, uh, and so talk a little bit about uh, not just, we obviously see that inflation is an issue. We saw the report today from the feds, uh, but talk about how the practical ways that this negatively affects middle to lower income families. I'm talking about inflation. The first place it hits, obviously, Walker is the um, grocery store. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, it's getting getting to the place where every month it's going to cost everybody a little bit more money to uh, buy their groceries. And that's the first place that people usually recognize it. You know, if you just take a look at things like uh, uh, diesel fuel going up in price, well, you know, every bit of that produce uh, and so much of the other things in the store are getting delivered by trucks the way it goes. They've got to pass that, that cost. Uh, commodity prices, uh, the wheat, the beans, the corn that goes into so many products are going up dramatically. Uh, the, uh, it's talking about transitory inflation. I've been saying for uh, six months now, there's nothing transitory about it. The aspects of it that are temporary, yes. But look, if, if you've got to give somebody two more dollars an hour to come back to work, you're not taking it back. It doesn't work that way. And it's going to, and it's here to stay. And so these, so so much of the inflation that everyday people are experiencing, uh, when you look at the middle to low income, the low income people, I mean, they're always the ones that are going to suffer the most. The, uh, if you look at low income people and senior citizens on a fixed income, they're the ones that get hurt the most. Yep. And so they're the people everybody should be interviewing because they feel it. They feel it. Talk a book before any of us do. And so it is, uh, is going to be uh, devastating to our economy run. And I don't mean to turn inflation into a political issue, but the fact of the matter is, we don't have an administration that is going to adequately deal with this and only going to make things worse. And that's a huge problem. So it can't, that, that can't be fixed, uh, the inflation issue. And then we have to ask the question, how bad do they want to fix it? Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And so, you, you just answered what I was going to ask you. And that is, Dan, I mean... Has the train has basically already left the station? There's no turning this thing around. The money's out there, right? Right, right, right. You're exactly right. And so think about this. People don't don't realize this is a great great for your listeners. So we talk about people. Well, I don't care about the Federal Reserve. I don't care about interest rates. I'm not worried about it. But li- listen to this. So if interest rates continue to stay low, then inflation is going to get a little bit higher. But as inflation gets higher and the interest rates stay low, the dollar loses value. 
Now, I, that sounds complicated, but let me ex- explain it so everybody can understand it. So if the dollar is worth less, it means it takes more of them for, for the cereal company to buy a truckload of corn. It now takes more money for them to do that, more dollars. It takes more dollars to buy a barrel of oil that is going to get refined. Commodity prices aren't just, they're not going up. They're going up because they need more of the devalued dollars to buy the same bushel of wheat. So that impacts all of this because it's going to go to our gasoline prices, it's going to go to our food prices for sure, and it's going to get go to everything that is being delivered by truck or train. It's going to go to our utility bills. Remember, many of our most of our power plants are still driven on diesel fuel, turbines that run on diesel. So our utility bill goes up. If they don't run on diesel, they run on that gas. That gas is going up. So that's going to affect our utility bills. It keeps it. Those things are not temporary. Now, I said four months ago that I, I was by myself in this camp, but the, mis- the Fed is making a mistake by not raising interest rates. So let me tell you the opposite of that. When the Fed raises interest rates even a little tiny bit, that adds value to the dollar. It's the opposite of low interest rates. It strengthens the currency when they raise rates. Do you know how long it's been? You do know how long it's been since we have seen lower interest, uh, higher interest rates. We've been cutting interest rates since the year before Barack Obama, we've been cutting interest rates. That devalues the dollar. Well, why hasn't why haven't things fallen apart? Because everybody else's currency in the world is devaluing worse than ours. So we become the, the horse in the glue factory. We're still in the glue factory. We're yeah. not in good shape, but we're better than everybody else's. We're the best of and the worst. <laughs> We're the best worst. Yeah, right, exactly. So that's, you know, eventually that has to get dealt with. Or if we have an administration, and as what I call the puppeteers, the, the guys pulling the strings on the puppets of, of Biden and the rest, and the puppeteers want more and more and crises so that they can complete their radical agenda. Yep. If we don't get another of COVID fear, then it's going to have to be the economy. And I believe that the ideal situation for the a total Marxist regime is to be able to say to the American people, don't worry about it. 
there will be a bread of a loaf of bread on every table. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. And that's what comes out of a severe economic crisis. Yeah, we've never had one like that. The depression wasn't even that. So I'm talking about World War II Germany when that's how Adolf Hitler got in office mm-hmm. by promising everybody a loaf of bread. Yeah, I mean, and and. You know, I'm not saying we're, we don't have to go there. Right. We don't have to go there. We can, we can fix it and things can change. Um, we can't fix it from a political perspective. But if American corporations would stand up uh, to all of this, it can be fixed. Yeah. yeah. And the Federal Reserve, obviously, I don't think they want to. You know, you've got a guy heading into wanting to get reappointed right. uh, in September, not this September, next next year. Um, get wants to get reappointed, and um, he's going along. I believe Janet Yellen, who has proven to be a globalist beyond global, she may be the biggest globalist in the administration right now, like Treasury Secretary. Yeah, and she's calling this. She's calling the shot. Yeah, and no. if I. One more thing quickly. Sure. If interest rates go up a little bit, the Treasury is going to be paying a trillion dollars a year to pay the interest on our debt. More than our we defense. Still have to service the debt. More than the defense budget. More than the defense budget. Yep. Annually. That's, that's we're going to annually, which spends more money on servicing their debt than they do on anything else. Yeah, And so, of course, the Treasury Department is telling the Fed, please don't raise rates. We can't afford it. You're going to bankrupt the country. And that's that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Hey, hey, Dan, Dan, thank you for coming on, brother. And uh, we'll be tuning in to your show, Financial Issues, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Uh, Central here on American Family Radio. God bless you. Walker, Walker thank you. All right. I appreciate it. God bless you, you and your, your program. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right. Well, there you have yeah. it. That's uh, Dan Celia of Financial Issues. And, you know, this is a uh, I'm not a I'm not a Ron Paul alarmist where you need to buy gold and the market's going to crash tomorrow every day. Um, but this is this is a problem. Uh, and this <laughs> this is not a new problem. I remember the Obama days. Right. This was a problem during the Obama days. This was a problem during the Trump days, <laughs> believe it or not. Now, President Trump had very good economic policies in place that alleviated some of these concerns now, but now you have the Democrats in charge. And I mean, this is like a, they're like shooting themselves in the foot every day. And as Dan mentions, mentioned, it is as if the Democrats want the economy to fail. Well, Walker, how can you be so cynical? Well, look at their track record. They created a they passed a law and created a healthcare exchange system that they knew was a disaster from day one. The chief architect of Obamacare said himself in the classroom, the professor, he said, This is not going to work, and we all know it. But it doesn't matter. It's not supposed to work. Uh, the Democrats thrive off of failure, off of disaster off of crises, and that's what they're doing here. That's what they're doing here because here's what's probably going to happen. I'm not an economist, but I read what the economists write. 
at some point, the interest rates are going to have to go up. You cannot sustain this. And when they do go up, the economy is going to shrink back. And we still don't have everybody back to work yet. And so the the, the, the government basically has one of two options. You keep kicking the can down the road, or you don't kick the can down the road. You raise interest rates, and you stop the printing press, and then the economy shrinks back. Will it be as bad as 07, 08? I don't know. Some say it could be worse because of what all is at play. But... You know, this is a this is a multi-party problem. Let me be clear. This economic situation is a multi-party problem. America, our economy is big enough. Our government brings in so much in revenue that if we just had half smart people running the government, we could run on a surplus. I know this sounds foreign, and it's not what you hear everywhere with all your market analysts. You know, everything now is about how much money can you borrow? How much money can you borrow? And whoever borrows the most most money is the most popular. But America's economy is healthy enough, it's strong enough, or we could be running on a surplus. We could have zero dollars in debt. We could pay all of our bills and have money left over to do other stuff. But instead, we decided to start using the printer printing press decades ago. Start using the printing press with no limit on the printing press, right? Because watch this. Mark my word. Here in a few months, there's going to be a debt ceiling debate in Congress. But it's a debate about raising the debt ceiling on money that we've already spent. How is that going to end up? How, how can we choose to not pay off the money we've already spent? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a circus. It's a show. It's like a, it's like a cartoon show. And the Republicans are going to stand up and say, we've got to stop spending all this money. It's already been spent. We'll be back tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.